Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Welcome to today's episode of Paddling the Blue. Today I have the opportunity to sit down and talk with Vega Gritarstradich, and we're going to hear her story of circumnavigating Iceland, aptly named Against the Current, as that's been the story of her life. She's a passionate paddler like every single one of us, and I'm certain that you'll enjoy her story of perseverance and living life on your own terms. So enjoy today's episode with Vega. Hello, Vega. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful today. It's a beautiful day here. Yeah, same here in Iceland. Good. So tell us a little bit about how you got your start as a paddler. I started back in 2003 or four when my co-workers uh, got me into the sport and he took me out on a one day in the February, really cold day. And we went out paddling for our short time and did some Eskimo roll and stuff like that in, in the cold water. And yeah, that was just not for me to go into the sport. <laughs> Your first introduction is uh, February in Iceland. Yes. All right, and you and you kept going. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I kept going until 2010. Then I took a break for six years, almost. And back, I went back in in 2016. Okay, all right. Yeah. So aside from living in an island nation with water everywhere, what was it about paddling that made you say this is the thing that I need to do? I think it's just you get so close to the nature. You can travel, you can take all your kayak gear with you, paddling gear, you know, also the hiking and our camping gear. I mean, this is like a good meditation for me. It is. Just Sometimes you... in the water, surrounded with birds, seals, whales, yeah, and all the wildlife and the nature. It's amazing. You can be on the water and, and think about nothing else. That's a wonderful experience. Yes, it is. So your trip around Iceland against the current, tell us a little bit about that trip and where the motivation for that trip came from. It has, it has always been a dream for me to paddle around Iceland since I started this sport and I never had the courage to do it. You know, I thought I was not good enough and stuff like that. And uh, in 2010, like I said before, I stopped paddling and, and got back into it in 2016. And I started guiding in 2016 in my hometown. And there is a kayak in our kayak center here in Iceland, our old Greenland style kayak, handmade in Greenland, who is our guest book. And to be able to write your name on this kayak, then you have to paddle around Iceland. And I looked at this boat for maybe two years, and I was always telling my telling my, to myself, you know, I have to write my name on that boat one day. So in 2018, I just took this decision to paddle on Iceland uh, with the current, clockwise, like everybody else did. And I was in, in Greenland in the same year, uh, guiding on a sailboat. And the captain said to me, you know, you have to go against the current because you have been going against the current your whole life. And to explain that, you know, I'm a, I'm a transgender woman who has not been living my true self my whole life. I started my gender assignment in 2016. I said, just, yeah, okay, I will do it. I'll just go against the current. Nobody had done it before, so why not? You know, I had been going against the current my whole life, so I just decided to do it a little bit longer and go against the current. Against the current has been a life story for you. Yeah, basically. So tell us a little bit about the paddle itself. 
the experience that you had? It was the best summer ever. You know, <laughs> it took me it took me 103 days to complete this. It was 2,099 kilometers, 103 days, and 53 days on the border. Rest I was weather bounded or doing lectures, or I got sick also for one week. Uh, actually, I would like to do it again this summer. Go around Iceland again. Would you go around against the current again, or would you go with the current this time? I think I would go with the current. Yeah. Just to do the other way. Okay. Yeah. It would probably seem like a different trip altogether. Yeah. So how were you supported along the way? I was self-supported, but I also had a guy who would follow me most of the way. Uh, he was not o always able to come to me on current places and stuff like that. It was in 2018 when the captain of the sailboat posted the pictures of me on, on Instagram and said, this is Vega, our kayaker. She used to be a man and now she's going to paddle on Iceland against the current. And there was one film director who saw that picture and he contacted me and asked me if he could make a documentary film about my trip around Iceland and my story also as a transgender woman. Uh, and I was in a bookshop here in Isafjörður when I got the cold and I just said yes immediately. So he followed me the whole summer on a car. So yeah, he always had something extra for if I needed. But I had everything in the boat so I could be a self, self yeah, on my own the whole time. Every time I speak with someone about a, a paddling experience, about a, a long trip, the conversation often turns to the people that they met along the way. Tell us a little bit about the interactions that you had with people along the way. What stands up after this trip is the reaction of people, or yeah, how people welcomed me everywhere around Iceland. Quite often that people like me, trans, transgender people, they, we get a lot of hate in the society. So one of my motivation for this trip was to just show the Iceland nation that trans people are just normal people. Everywhere I came, I was offered to stay in a hotel, hostels uh, with farmers. People were washing my clothes, making dinner for me, picking me up and driving for a swimming pool and stuff like that. So that's what stands up after this trip, how I was treated around Iceland. All the, all the people and everything, all the people have actually have quite good friends after this trip all around Iceland. So I wonder what it is that made people treat you different on that trip and why people can't do the same everywhere. I think it's, uh, people do it all the time, but in many countries, trans people are killed every week just because they are trans. And, and we always think other people hate us. My biggest enemy when I went through this process was myself. I thought everybody else would hate me and reject me because I'm trans. Growing up in a small fishing village in, in northwest of Iceland 30 years ago, gay people were struggling. So the biggest prejudice that I have experienced my whole life was my own. I thought everybody would re reject me. So in a way, you know, this was my way to be visible, you know, just show people Hey, we're just normal people. It surprised me how how far we have come. How much more accepting people have come. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. So what did you enjoy most about the experience, the, the paddle itself? The nature, I think. It's just awesome nature here in Iceland. All the big birth cliffs, sand beaches, 
yeah, camping in a beautiful nature and paddling along the way. So for those who are not familiar with the Iceland coastline, tell us a little bit about what the Iceland coastline is like. You can have all kinds of uh, landscape in Iceland. You can have just sand beaches, black sand, white sand also. You can have up to 20 kilometers long birth cliffs where there's no place to land. South coast is the most difficult part of Iceland. That's about 300 kilometers long beach with black sand and, and dumping surf. So that's the most dangerous part of the whole trip and most boring part also. <laughs> Just paddling day after day with a, on a black sand beach, close to black sand beach, nothing to see. You can see glaciers, volcanoes, I think basically everything you want to see. It sounds fascinating, certainly. You mentioned wildlife. Tell us about the wildlife that you uh, saw along the way. The most of the wildlife is just birds, puffins, gillimores. I don't know the, all the name of the birds. Seals, whales, humpback whales, pilot whales. I have only two times seen orcas here in Iceland when I'm paddling. Jellyfishes. We don't have so much animals on land. The biggest predator in Iceland is the Arctic fox. Just like a small puppy. <laughs> we don't have any snakes or stuff like that. So what were your biggest challenges along the way? South coast. Yeah. That, definitely south coast. Yeah. It's the hardest part of the whole trip. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. Oh, wait, uh, so why was that the hardest part for you? Uh, because there are no shelters on the way. It's just, a, like I said, 300 kilometers long beach with, on an open ocean. There's just open ocean all around you. There's no shelters. There's no places to... Yeah, if the weather gets bad or something, then you can have just have a really bad landing and, and hard to go out again. And if you have a tro- problem, it's hard to get to you if you need help, for example. So is the coast mostly inhabited or uninhabited? On the south coast. Actually, yes, I'm thinking the entire coast. Is the population in Iceland centered around just a, a few cities along the coast, or is most of the area uninhabited without people? Most of the, most of the way is like that. But oh. yeah, there are small towns all around Iceland, but south coast is, is uh, quite far from next towns. But on the east coast, north coast, and the west coast, and, and the west coast, there is always some fjords or vacant seek shelters if the weather comes from... The wind is blowing from the north and you can just go into the other side of the fjord and you can find a shelter to land, but on the south coast there's nothing like that. What would you say was the farthest distance that you paddled between uh, seeing any people? I think it's maybe 200 kilometers. Without another person, wow. So I understand that despite the small number of people and uh, the small number of homes, I understand that you came across quite a bit of trash. Yes, I did. So tell us a little bit about that. When I was planning my trip, I got few few sponsors, and there was one guy who contacted me when he heard about my trip, and he has a environment environmental organization here in Iceland called Blue Army, and he is cleaning beaches, and he asked me to take pictures for him on the way, and he sponsored me also, so I did that for him. And everywhere I came, I started to look around me and, and noticed the trash. I thought Iceland was quite clean country, but when, I, when you go to places where nobody is and nobody can access unless on water, then you can just see 
basically hold coastline of Iceland is covered in trash. Plastic trash from fish industry, plastic bottles, single-use plastic, all around Iceland. And I saw that one of the uh, most unique things that seemed like you found was the used paintbrush in a cave a couple hundred kilometers from anyone's home. Yeah. You, know, you just have to think and wonder about those things. And how did this possibly get here? I just found a, coke, a plastic bottle in Iceland this summer that is from Norway. Because I lived in Norway, so I recognized the bottle. And I posted a pictures of it in a, in a Norwegian Facebook group that is cleaning bitches. And there was one who replied to a comment on the photo and said, can we change? And he posted the pictures for, of Icelandic bottles in Norway. <laughs> so did you make the trade? <laughs> no, we haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, you'll have to go to Norway and, and make that trade. Yeah, I will. What would you do differently if you had to do this trip again? I think I will not do the movie. Oh, really? Why is Before, that? It was the hardest trip. The hardest part of the whole trip was the movie, making of the movie, because he was both filming the land and the landscape and me paddling and everything. But he was also making interviews, interviews with me on the way, about my transition, about my divorce, childhood, the depression and, and everything I went through. I tried two times to take my own life, for example. And most days it took me maybe one, one and a half hour to pack everything together in the morning. Then I was partly maybe for 10 to 13 hours. You, after a day like that, you were really tired when you come in. And the only thing we can think about is just getting something to eat and go to sleep. But then he was waiting with his camera and he wanted to take some interviews about my ex-wife or my, yeah, everything I went through. The motion was stuff. And that was quite hard. Yeah, you're mentally drained and physically drained from uh, from the day's paddle, and uh, and now you've got to bring up those things and, and discuss them. Yeah. So what were the conditions like on the trip? Water, temperature, winds, launches and landings, those sorts of things. Uh, the first four weeks I had sun every day. The wind was maybe, do you use meters per second or, or not? No. Sure. Not okay. It's could be from 10 knots, 5 knots, up to 40 knots. So on a day like that, I was just stayed in land. On the East Coast, I had almost fog every day for three weeks. It's quite common, it's fog on the East Coast. I was weather bonded for one and a half week on the, on the North Coast. It was just constantly blowing from Northeast up to 50 knots every day. So just weather bonded for one and a half week. So I basically think I had every, every type of weather. It sounds like it. <laughs> One day when I woke up, my tent was just white of, of ice. You know, it was freezing that night in August. Yeah, that's uh, that's the summer, and you had the ice and, and everything else. Yeah. How about the the water temperature? What's the water temperature generally like? Now it's about two and a half degrees in Celsius. I'm not sure what that's in Fahrenheit. But in the summertime, it goes up to maybe... 8 to 11 degrees depends on where you're, where you are on the south coast or on north coast okay it's a little bit warmer on the south coast okay so it can be around 11 degrees in south coast maybe it's it goes up to eight nine here in west Church, i think but so it's quite cold sure it, it sounds like it <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone else who's planning a big objective like iceland 
um, Iceland or, or anything else that just has the, the kind of scale of the trip that you did? That's a, a big trip. Just practice training, you know, go out in all kind of conditions, you know, bad weather. I was going out in 40, 50 knots paddling here in my home area. Go out camping for a few days, get used to the camping life, camp in all kind of conditions, test your gear, know your gear, and just train good. Look at the maps, make good plans. Make plan A, plan B, plan C, you know. That's what I did when I went to Iceland. I made a plan to go from A to, a to B, but I made also plan B and C for the same day, every day. You know, if I cannot reach this destination, where can I go then? And I try to find bailouts on the whole way where I could just take shelter or go in if something happens, if the weather changes. We, we often say here in Iceland, if you don't like the weather, just wait a few minutes, you will have a new weather. Have a plan, but also have the, the conviction and the fortitude to allow that plan to change. So tell us about the kit that you use. I paddling, I'm paddling Rockpool Taran 16 now at the moment, and I have done for the last three years. I love that boat. I also am a t- member of Ama Ampatasha for Lantel paddles, so I use Lantel and Coca Tatrices. For camping gear, I'm using Health Sports Tent, for example, and I'm also sponsored by Patagonia with clothes and gear. So the Rockpool Terran, it's been a subject of many of the last few episodes. Um, and one of the people that I interviewed uh, somewhat recently was John Willisey, who is yeah. the d- designer of the Rockpool Terran. Yeah, really good expedition boats. It certainly is. So. Yeah, I think, I think my average speed around Iceland was so about six kilometers per hour on a fully loaded boat. That's pretty good. How did you prepare for the trip in terms of training? I was paddling almost every day. I went on short trips, uh, long trips, multi-day trips. I went paddling out when it was minus 10 degrees outside, snowing, slept in a tent in a minus 10 degree. I tried to go out in all kind of conditions when it was blowing up to 20, 30, 40, 50 knots, up to 50 knots. In my home area, it was quite a shelter area, but I went out in a big wind. Just trained and tried to put myself in all kind of conditions that I thought I could happen to one away. Do you do most of your training alone or with others? Most of it alone, yeah. There are not, yeah, there used to be a really active kayak community here in Isafeders, but uh, basically I'm the only one who is paddling now, now these days. So I'm always paddling alone. I suppose there's not that many people that want to go out in a, in a gale in February, too. <laughs> no. And most of the people who are going out now, they just want to go out for maybe one hour paddle or something. Now, I'm going to skip back for just a moment, and I'm going to ask another question about, uh, you mentioned that you had stopped paddling in 2010 and took a six-year break. Why did you take a six-year break? Uh, I got married, and we had a kid together. We had a kid. We, yeah, we had a daughter in, in 2011, and we moved to Norway. And I just basically went into this family life, you know. We were just always uh, biking together in the family. So I just started focusing more on that. Okay. Yeah, just, so that's why I stopped kayaking. Okay, just other interests at the time. So. Yeah. All right. So you did this trip, if I'm not mistaken, um, benefiting an organization. And I've, I'm not sure if I'll pronounce it right, Pieta? Yeah, Pieta. All right. Tell us a little bit about Pieta. Pieta is an is a organization that was founded in Northern Ireland two years ago. 
and they are helping people that who want to commit suicide and also people who have lost loved ones in suicide and I did a fundraising for them and the reason for I chose them is because I know how it is to be on that place when you want to take your own life and that's something I don't wish for anyone yeah I wanted to make awareness of suicides transgender also and support this organization so what brought you out of that dark place kayaking kayaking saved my life I was severely depressed when I moved back to Isafjörður in 2016 and I was offered a job as a kayak guide. Like I told you before, I thought everybody would reject me, but I was guiding here in Isafjörður. I was taking clients out on a path day, uh, day trips, few hour trips, and I was taking people out from US, Germany, Israel, India, UK, everywhere from the world. I just realized that didn't matter that I was a transgender. Everybody accepted me who I was. Yeah, that saved my life. Also, just being alone on the kayak, surrounded with the wildlife, the nature, the meditation, being on the water. And yeah, that helped me a lot. That's wonderful. So what's next for you? Next, I have a plan. I'm going to parallel the coastline of Norway, Sweden and Finland. My plan was to go to Norway this summer. Uh, I have teamed up with a girl from Ireland. Her name is Kira. Kira. And we have, in the moment, we have postponed Norway because of COVID. But we will just do that next year. And we have also made a deal with a film director here in Iceland, who is working on it now to get in contact with film directors in Norway, Sweden, and Finland. And we're able to make four episodes about this kayak trip, the whole coastline of Scandinavia. And the focus will be on, on the nature, uh, the paddling, all the obstacles that will be on our way as a kayaker, and also about the plastic pollution. Since we are not able to go to Norway this summer, then I, uh, I might paddle half of Iceland this summer, just to show, yeah, film that also. So the first episode will be about us getting ready for the other trip, for Scandinavia. And then, yeah, I might just paddle half Iceland this summer and make a documentary about that. And my friend would be paddling in the island also and do the same thing there. How long will the Scandinavia trip be? I'm planning for two to three years, just on the summer times. Okay. Yeah, not, not, not continuous, certainly. <laughs> no, no. How many kilometers is that? I think Norway is about 3,000 kilometers. And, and, and I think the total length is about 6,000 Okay. Yeah, Norway is quite long. Yeah, that's quite a trip. Yeah. Oh. Now you mentioned that you uh, you were also a kayak guide. Where do you guide? Most Tirunisa Fjords. Short trips Tirunisa Fjords and done few multi-day trips. I want to go more into that also, but I'm too busy planning expedition, so I don't <laughs> have time for guiding now. Okay. And uh, and I have also been guiding in Greenland. I was on a sailboat called Artica that sailed on the east coast on Greenland. We sailed from one field to the next one, and I took people, the clients, out for paddling every day if they wanted to go out for paddling. So is, has kayaking become a career for you? Yeah, I'm trying to make this as a career now for me. I want to make it just full-time living, just be paddling, doing trips, guiding, doing expedition, and I want to also go more into filmmaking also. 
And uh, how long have you been pursuing it as a career? Since I finished my triple ambassador. So does it look like a viable uh, career for you? Does it look like making kayaking a career is going to be successful for you? Yeah, I hope so. It's quite, <laughs> it's quite difficult in Iceland because the market is so small. The season is quite short also. Is there a big tourist trade in, uh, in Iceland for kayaking? Yes, it was. At least it was, yeah. Certainly. And, and, yeah. and that'll come but back. Have, yeah, it'll come back again. Yes. But, but like I said, the season is quite short. So it's basically three months, June, July and, and August. Maybe okay. a little bit of May and September. It sounds very similar to here. And that's kind of our, uh, our big time as well. So, Vega, you've mentioned the movie a couple of times. Tell us a little bit about the movie and what we can expect from it and where we could expect to find it. This movie was released in Iceland last autumn and it's coming to North America now in June. And hopefully on Netflix worldwide later on. And this movie is about my trip around Iceland against the current and also about my story. It's a 90 minutes long documentary film. That covers basically, yeah, my trip around Iceland, everything I went through. There are interviews with my siblings, my parents, my ex-wife, and everybody is telling their own story. Of my parents are telling them, telling the story of how it's to have a trans kid. My ex-wife is talking about how it's how it is for her when when her husband becomes a woman. It's a quite dramatic film, and also in my opinion, really beautiful film also, because it's a, it's a, it's a love story and it's also. And this film has been nominated for uh, award here in Iceland, similar to the Oscars award for the best documentary film of the year. How can people reach you with questions? They can find me on, on Instagram, Facebook, my website, for example, yeah. All right. And I'll make sure that I get links to your Instagram, your Facebook, your website, and I'll make sure that I put those in the show notes so people can reach you. Vega, one final question that I like to ask all of our guests, and that is who else would you like to hear as a future guest on Paddling the Blue? I would like to hear from my friend Guðni Pops Richtersson here in Iceland. He paddled around Iceland in 2013, and then he did Ireland a few years later, and he was my main, how can I say it, uh, assistant when I went around Iceland so basically I know everything about this Iceland trip but we have never had time to talk about this Ireland trip so I would like to hear more about that and the name again it's Guðni Paul Victorsson Guðni Paul Victorsson yeah most people call him Guðni in English all right yeah he's used to that <laughs> well I will uh, I'll connect with you and get get the contact information for uh, for Guðni and we'll, we'll make the contact and get him on the show. Vega, I really appreciate your time and, and appreciate your hearing about your story and appreciate hearing about uh, your trip against the current around Iceland. It certainly sounds like a fascinating trip, and we wish you the absolute best of luck um, on your, your trip with the current around Iceland as well as your trip uh, through Scandinavia. Thank and, you. Yes, and best of success in your guiding career as well. Yeah, and thanks for having me. You're welcome. If you want to be a stronger and more efficient paddler, 
Power to the Paddle is packed with fitness guidance and complete descriptions along with photos of more than 50 exercises to improve your abilities and enjoy your time on the water. The concept and exercises in this book have helped me become a better paddler and they can make a difference for you too. The exercises in the book can help you reduce tension in your shoulders and low back, use the power of your torso to create leverage and use less energy with each stroke, use force generated from your lower body to make your paddling strokes more efficient, have the endurance to handle long days in the boat, drive through the toughest waves or whitewater, protect your body against common paddling injuries, and while you're at it, you might even lose a few pounds, and who wouldn't mind that? So visit paddlingexercises.com to get the book and companion DVD. Vega is truly motivated and was certainly not interested in having anyone tell her she couldn't do something. While many of us can say paddling has strengthened our lives, not many of us can really say paddling saved our lives, and Vega is one of those. I, for one, am proud to be part of a community with Vega as an inspiration. Watch the show notes for links to Vega's website and to learn more about her travels and the Against the Current documentary sharing her transformational story. And you'll also be able to learn more about the Pieta organization and their mission, as well as Blue Army. Our next episode will feature Jamie Sharp, a referral from James Mankey from episode 36. And Jamie joins me to talk about the expedition to Svalbard, a rugged land full of wicked weather and a place better suited for polar bears than people. So thanks again, and I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Paddling the Blue. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.